Hello everyone and welcome back to Tambo Desk Podcast. My name is Duke Tambo and the following is a conversation with David Ogiga, a Kenyan entrepreneur, social impact leader and a consultant. He's also the co-founder of Sote Hub, a social enterprise that supports youth uh, entrepreneurship and innovation in Kenya. He's also a former chairman of the Association of Countrywide Hubs in Kenya. David has a uh, over 15 years of experience working in the social impact sector. He has a passion for youth employment, entrepreneurship, technology, and a strong advocate for women in tech. He's committed to using his skills and experience to help young people in Kenya achieve their full potential. He's also a passionate, uh, he's also passionate about uh, climate change and agriculture. He believes that these two uh, of the, these, these are the two of the most important challenges uh, facing Kenya today. Joining me is also uh, Jakub Shimek, uh, a co-founder of Wizisha DAO and an author of Wisdom Enterprising. So in today's podcast, uh, uh, we'll be talking with uh, David on various topics revolving around his passion for social impact, climate change, agriculture, Kenya's startup ecosystem, blue economy innovation, and his intriguing journey of Sote Hub uh, project. Uh, David, it's a great honor uh, and pleasure to have you on Tambodes podcast. Thank you, Gift. Uh, thank you, Jakub. And the description you have for me is uh, quite, I didn't know you know a lot about myself. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and be able to speak with you uh, on these various topics. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, great. And, uh, you know, uh, David, I just let our listener know that uh, David was my boss. <laughs> And I worked with him uh, previously on Sote ICT project uh, from 2014 to 2018. That's almost four years and uh, of great experience working with him at Sote Hub together with uh, Yaku, who is, who is here. Uh, and I understand uh, David, you shifted Sote Hub operation from Void to Mombasa, right? Yes, yes, I did. I did that. Um, yeah, and of course, very, very proud. You are one of uh, my success stories or our success stories. So very privileged that uh, I can be able to uh, speak at this podcast, yeah. Yeah, we moved, but about the decision to move to Mombasa, I think we've been in Taita for, what, maybe six years. Uh, we've created impact from Cradle. I think Taita is very, very strong attachment because that's the beginning. That's where the vision was born. Uh, and but over time, I think the needs were uh, in terms of the people we serve. Most of the entrepreneurs that and young people work with the projects were in along the coastline. So, Kilifi, Kwale, Mombasa, Tana River, Lamu, and so we thought that maybe we need now to move. Uh, of course, very sad days, memories of living in Voi, but of course we are happy to be in Mombasa because logistically it's easier. And also it's centrally located. Yeah. Um, we, we say Mombasa is a gateway to East Africa. So, so I think this is a, this was a good choice. Yeah. Actually, on the sad part, uh, Yakub is always sad about that. Uh, you know, you guys shifting from Void to Mombasa. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. He told it, me. But it's a, it's an old story. Now I'm sad about the Duke shifting to Mombasa. <laughs> you know, with David, it was like it's all last year, right? Or two years ago. <laughs> now it's like Duke told me like uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I will be I will be moving to Voy, and you guys, you can stay in Mombasa. I can't live in Mombasa. It would destroy me. But Voy, maybe. You know. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. I can How just, sad. I can just come for weekends, you know, to Mombasa, but not like a full-time <laughs> Mombasa resident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you can explain, maybe, but he's moving to like very close to where we uh, used to stay in Mombasa. Yeah, in Severino Hotel, <laughs> Bamburi, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're Mombasa? Yeah, I'm planning to move to Mombasa probably uh, maybe next month. So, yeah. And I'm looking forward to link Welcome. up with you, David. Yeah. Welcome. I'll offer free orientation and <laughs> walk around and can help you get search for houses. Yeah, yeah the, sure. The, actually, 
actually the decision i think uh, uh, duke's decision was made after he uh, he he um he wanted you on a podcast you know so it was like there is no, <laughs> no side motivation <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very kind of sudden decision like but yeah <laughs> oh so we can shoot podcasts every day okay <laughs> Yeah. Just to clarify, that was not the reason why why he approached you to do the podcast. It was like two, he approached you two months ago, and uh, the, the, he found out that he he will be moving to Mombasa like three weeks ago or something like that. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. No, yeah. good news. Good news. Good yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. well, yeah. Uh, David, let's kick start, uh, kick start the podcast with uh, your intriguing sort of hub project. Yeah, uh, together with Yakub, you are also part of it. But uh, as the co-founder of this amazing project, could you uh, please share the, um, with our listener about the journey of SotHub and how did it all start and what has, a, has been your vision for the project? Mm, yeah, good question. So my background is in uh, wildlife management. And so while in school at the university, that's Moi, we used to do a lot of volunteering. As you know, Savo ecosystem is is nearly 25,000 square kilometers. So it hosts nearly a third of Kenyan's elephant. It's actually a hotbed of human uh, wildlife conflict. So there's strong focus in 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 Savo. Yet, as 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 uh, although it it has these immense potential and resources. I think it's it also has some of the poorest uh, neighborhood and poorest populations uh, in terms of education standards as it is quite low in terms of all nearly all the parameters. So our decision to come to uh, Savo was was not a difficult one because uh, even from school level we already had developed networks and so once we graduated uh, it was very easy for me, together with uh, two of my colleagues, Franco Monde and Boniface, so who together we were in the same class. So we formed a safari company, uh, uh, Finch Travels. And Finch Travels, I remember, our is a small bird, uh, and it always always reminded us of small, humble beginnings. Of course, the vision was always bigger. And so the first project that we did, uh, of course, Finch Travels, we were doing towards Untravel. But we wanted to do more with the communities. And so how could we be able to partner with them, especially give back ecotourism projects? And uh, so we formed an NGO, a non-governmental wing of the safari company. So this was now Kasiga Wildlife Trust, which I was the director and, of course, now spearheading the initiatives. And one of the interventions that we did, first we did, we were lucky to get funding from uh, Slovakia and put up a 20-bed uh, ecology known as Kiwanjani. Yeah, a I remember Kiwanjani. Yeah, yeah, with one of the best uh, water holes where elephants were coming. And uh, I remember when you come to Kiwanjani, there's no mobile network. So you just need to have quiet moments with nature and soak it in and and that so i think that was very that was that was maybe some of my best memories you two remember kiwanjani very well of course uh, various experiences <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, you can share that true. later on it was like the digital detox you know like you had um yeah you, you there was no network so you just had to like focus on i don't know <laughs> talking to people <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah dining yeah it people. was yeah, yeah. No, looking no, at that no course, internet no no mobile phone so no mobile was, phone no internet <laughs> and every, everything is very I, I would say very original authentic including young fathers be a garden so these were so yeah but but yeah so we did very well with the lodge we had a lodge i remember working we worked with nearly 300 women groups especially they were making baskets we worked with about 20 young people as rangers so these young people were helping us in terms of patrols but also training the community not to poach wildlife because a lot of people 
are looking for cheap protein and cheap protein is you can get it from dick dick or the wildlife and so our 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 conservation training was their alternatives uh, way of living uh, and so you don't need to poach you don't need to cut firewood you don't need to cut wood for charcoal and that was how the kiwanjani was coming in because they they could get jobs the tourism could also be able to take the money because every client coming to the lodge we are also taking them also to uh to the women groups who are making the artistry so that was that was like the 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 very beginning and of course in 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 between uh we were learning we we kept learning what's going on understanding the challenges uh and and so one of those intervention was in education uh and and like we all know the challenges of if you are looking for example in terms of performance in terms of in, in the in the country the coastal schools are always like probably in the last in terms yeah. of ranking and it's because of lack of facilities uh remotenessness and and so we, it was not difficult for us to decide on how to intervene and that's why we thought let's use ICT and ICT is an enabler uh, it's definitely going to open up the world for some of these people uh and as fit has it uh we linked up with Jakub Shimek and and then got the again grant funding and we started with one school i remember that was Moi High Kasigao uh and then this grew to five schools it grew to 12 schools it grew up to 50 schools up to 100 schools uh and the intervention was on ICT equipment donation but also digitizing the education um and training them on how they can use to use simple ICT skills so that that kind of is what set the background of how we started uh, the projects but what was now uh, amazing for us running uh, this project now remember i was trained on wildlife conservation yeah yeah so nothing to do with the digital ICT. world <laughs> it don't have to do with the ICT i think i must admit even up to now i don't know how to program but it doesn't it, it doesn't make me lose sleep uh, at night because <laughs> i know that i know that I, i can i can yeah i i have very smart people around me who can be able to do the job and so all i do is to offer them opportunity to do that so yeah so i remember we we had very very smart young people coming through this project and every time we used to do to go and do uh, like monitoring visits like every weekly you find somebody has come up with uh, an, a business idea it could be on, on value addition it could be maybe an innovation in water uh, it could be an innovation in agriculture and so the ICT clubs really and this was again uh, what was because of an exchange program we had with the Slovak schools we had what we call the practice enterprise network again this kind of project was kind of base encouraging learning what can kenya learn uh, from slovakia and i think these these are these are the kind of development partnerships and cooperation that really creates value because instead of starting uh, from scratch then you are able to learn from the mistakes and you'll learn from what has worked elsewhere and so i think this i think i really thank uh, slovakia for this kind of intervention so here we were we have uh, we have good smart uh, people working with us uh, if i can recall uh, some of the beneficiaries um, for example somebody like wilson chola he mm -hmm. never stepped into any programming school but he was a guy who could dismantle a computer and reset it for you he could come up with an app the latest one he was able to come up with a water sensor that mm -hmm. can be able to notify in QD municipal and we actually pitched that idea to Tata Taveta water company that can oh. help them to detect leakages in the pipeline uh we we had we had very very smart people for example we had Lea Lea mm -hmm. went all the way and now is a senior programming officer in uh, in one of the NGOs Uh, Lucia Mudoni went all the way now she's uh, she's now working with us including you gift yes. and and Robert with the uh, Rojim Designs which again was a pioneer PR and media company in in Voi 
and you're able to scale it uh, throughout Mombasa into the cities at the cost. And so this, this, so I think what really carried us was uh, the dream now was in the young people that we were working with that they were able really to take take these they were able to take the platform that we provided for them and they were able really to create and be able to explore and live within their dreams. So so that really was a, quite a motivator. And my co-founder, uh, Jakub Shimek, so at some point we were wondering, so David, what next? And so uh, the last phase of this ICT project was definitely to, we were looking to put up a center where we could be able to uh, provide an opportunity for this young skills and talents after high school graduation that they can be able to come form teams and 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 and, and of course be able to go through an incubation process so that mm. that somehow is how we sort of have came to be the project was the, the computer project was between 2010 to 2015 and the sort of hub uh, establishment was around 2016 and oh. i will say it has been quite a journey yeah. Yeah, it was like late uh, 2015, so I think November 2015, yeah, yeah. December, so it like yeah. really started from 2016. Uh, yeah, and it was like, uh, it was quite, uh, I think with this, uh, the training companies or practice and enterprise network, uh, then I think you also like, uh, or we together with uh, at SOTA ICT, we also did like this student startup, which was, I think, like our, uh, like our innovation, like with the smaller teams, not just training companies. And then with Sota Hub, you were also then consulting uh, like other countries, like right through Oxfam. There was some kind of program uh, called Emotif, if I if, if I'm correct. Yeah, it was some yeah. like You're Dutch, correct, yeah. Dutch Oxfam kind of thing. They 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 uh, mentioned Sota Hub as one of uh, like I think 16 other or 15 other like startup uh, hubs, uh, like rural startup hubs, uh, like uh, one of the first in the world, right? So you were- Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Two other countries then uh, actually that you were consulting the, like similar-, similar Yeah, things. absolutely. And and uh, <clears throat> and actually they were, they, they actually approached us, approached us to help them uh, in terms of modeling and how to get rural hubs off the off the ground and so so we managed to consult and help them i think it was in jordan and i think there was something in south sudan and and so really really if if i remember when we opened up sort of hub in voi there were only two other hubs outside nairobi there was the swahili box which is in mombasa and and uh, the team at swahili box actually were uh, we 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 had the uh, we we actually asked them to come and console help us to understand how it works, and then we had Lake Hub, which is uh, in in Kisumu. So Sotab essentially was was the third outside Nairobi. Before that, we only had maybe what thirty or forty hubs, but all of them were in Nairobi, and there was no one with the rural focus. Uh, our motto was growing startups from rural. Uh, cities and towns and that has remained up to date and schools yeah that has remained up to date i think that's in our dna uh, and 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 even that motto the logo and everything uh, was kind of a co-creation uh, which was quite amazing because the young people that were we, we that came through the system were helping us to shape the vision of what a what a what a hub how best the hub could be able to support them yeah hmm. oh well uh, that's uh, truly inspiring david uh yeah it's uh, i can i can remember all those memories uh you know uh, meeting with you guys while i was in high school and uh yeah seeing myself also uh growing uh from that uh you know uh, point of uh, being a student to where i am right now so it's uh, re remarkable to see the impact that Hub has had on nurturing young uh, talents and supporting startups in Kenya. But could you tell us more about the specific programs and uh, initiatives that SOT Hub offers to entrepreneurs and uh, how do you provide the necessary resources and support to their growth? Yeah, so before going to that, I think I must also re uh, uh, remember one good friend of ours, uh, uh, Dr. Mikhail Mlenar, he was the ambassador, uh, Slovak, Slovak ambassador to Kenya. I think that yeah, gentleman yeah. sold, 
Yes. And, and then he, he had this project, he had this project, Ambassadors of Change, where he was. And so now what he was focusing on was, because remember the background of, of hardship, uh, where most of the families are. Uh, and, 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 and one of, for example, one of the student groups from Kajire came up with an innovation known as Ndovu Care. Yeah. Uh, why did they come up with this innovation? It's every day when they go to school, they meet elephants and elephants do not move off the way. And so, and so there was a trouble of them missing out on classes. And of course, the elephants also destroying crops. So they looked at an IoT device that could send an automatic SMS and a siren to Kenya Wildlife Service. And mm. through this, uh, there was kind of uh, peace or semblance and the, and the kids were able to go back to school again because Kenya Wildlife Service was now able to work, work with them closely. So look at an example of this because they are, and, and this is, this, this for, this for us is, was, we look back at this and you, you get satisfied that it was not in vain, uh, and, and that the innovation are responding directly to the needs at the local level. And it's not some, uh, something from somewhere else being brought or scaled into the local level. And so Mikhail Mlina was very, very instrumental. So he had this project, Ambassador of Change, and the students could be able to write their dreams, how they want to influence or how they want to become better citizens. And then we could uh, get top five. They, we take them to Nairobi, the embassy. They go to United Nations headquarters. Some of them were going to Nairobi for the very, very first time. So we had also to do a lot of hand-holding while they cross the road, but <laughs> but but for us, I think, <laughs> but for us, I think was to give them the maximum exposure and open up uh, their their world and the realities that and the opportunities that the possibilities as possible. And so, very very glad that this project was able to open up rural Taita and it became not just an inspiration in Kenya but also outside. Yeah, right. So to get to the Second, second, second part. Sorry, maybe just oh. chipping before the current. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Also, yeah. like uh, just um, uh, with the double care. Um, I think yeah, it's quite fascinating because actually the the school um, in Kajure, you know, at where when we were starting, I think in tw uh, uh, twenty twelve, uh, the school didn't have uh, electricity or just got uh, like electricity like right after we kind of were like starting with the I, uh, ICT project like with the ICT for boy, and then like six years later, the, mm, the 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 teachers and mentors and the students they went actually uh, to the US and uh, and were like participating in the diamond challenge. Um, yeah like startup uh, competition. And so they won the, the African round and then they went yeah. to deliver to the US. So like uh, six years from no electricity to, to winning an African, like all African startup competition. So that's- Absolutely. Thanks for- Thanks yeah. for reminding me. And and, and and also just like to also to mention like um, like a colleague of ours like Iuka Ulichna who was also quite instrumental in like bringing the methodology of these training companies and training students while uh, like also volunteering and like um, and then later working working with us. So yeah, she like especially like with the. Uh, girl entrepreneurs or female entrepreneurs yeah that she was like um yeah, and also like uh, teaching this practical like presentation skills and like the um, yeah yeah so yeah. It was, it was yeah. great good times uh, together but yeah like, good times and I, I don't know if you know that actually there is even a video game about double care story now like with those guys from uh yeah that that uh, game uh what is it impact yeah. impact impact, impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm aware. I link them up, <laughs> and yeah. So now it's like a you. It's like an educational content uh, where people can be able to, in, even in Slovakia, I think, in in Slovak language. So yeah, so yeah. And thanks for reminding me about Ivana. Ivana has been. Ivana was. I remember she was volunteering in one of the schools that was in Chala. Then there was a fire outbreak. And I think they lost they lost uh, quite some properties in Chala. Yeah, the uh, debatery. And, 
Yeah, the dormitory, yeah. So it was quite scary and he, she was out there. But she was able to turn that 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 round. She was able to have like um, a crowd a crowdfunding and was able to actually to uh, generate enough money to help the school rebuild there. So uh, wow. quite 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 interesting things. And then one of the one of the young students innovation that I also remember. Uh, and these are students 17, 17, 18, 19 max. One of uh, another group came up with uh, a soil testing kit uh, known as Uditech. This was a school in Kasigao. So Shimek, you remember wow. Kasigao is in the rural area. There was absolutely no electricity. I remember when we were taking computers there, we were, we went with the member of parliament and he was giving the principal some ultimatum that that uh, chief, you need to get electricity here, otherwise you don't benefit from the project. Of course, that was more or less to motivate uh, <laughs> the principal. And, and within a, within a month or two, we had power there. Uh, and 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 some of these things uh, looks pretty obvious in other places, but in rural area, it's a challenge. So this 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 group of girls developed a kit that can test the pH of a soil. Uh, and you're able to know the micronutrients. So if you are growing cotton, if you are growing uh, sugar, if you are growing horticulture, you are able to use this kit to test uh, whether the soil is the right conducive one for the crop you are growing. This is something that doesn't exist in the rural areas. In most cases, people just plant because now it's rain season and it's time for planting. And 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 then you also you can test the soil moisture, the moisture level. So it can also now it was able to have an IoT connection where you can also use it in the greenhouse to test to tell when to start watering uh, or to add uh, fertilizer etc. So this group of 17 to 18 to 19 year old girls won a prize. They were the national winner wow. in UN Women in Nairobi. Uh, uh, they won probably close to $25,000, which they were able to invest in their, their innovation and, and, and grow it. And so you, you look back, people who did not have electricity, you give them computers, and now they're able to really come up with this uh, groundbreaking innovation. So that's the story of Sota Hub. And I think we met many, many people. We had lots of goodwill, good friends that we still cherish today. Yeah, and you know, David, that is not uh, something for granted because some of these projects are normally happening in the town or in the urban, at the urban area, but we are seeing them uh, happening in the rural areas, you know, and uh, through your help and sort of yeah. uh, trying to uh, put uh, the project outside there so that people can know it's very, very um, important and inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thanks. So and now we are into phase, in another phase, uh, we, so... Six years in Taita in Voi, lots of impact, lots of friends, uh, of course, a few enemies also we make. Uh, and then now, <laughs> now we're moving to Mombasa. <clears throat> and, and so the new, the new face of Sotehab, uh, moved out of the school kind of school kind of project. <laughs> and the vision has never changed. Our focus is on youth. But now we were able also to look at youth outside schools, those who graduated, those who already uh, are out and looking for job and opportunities or starting a business. Uh, but we also we, we were also looking at farmers. We were also looking at different livelihood groups and how can we be able to work with these people in order to scale their businesses. So I will say the, the focus now is there are four sectors that you are. So the target group has remained. Of course, we still do a bit of schools project, but now our focus more is at out of school young youth and women. Uh, and, and so, so now the focus with their four sectors that is, are of interest to us, I like to call them A, B, C, D. So mm -hmm. A is for agriculture. Uh, agriculture, because ag agriculture is, is, I mean, the backbone of the economy and a very, very critical sector. So at the moment, we work with about 15,000 cashew nut farmers. We train wow. them on value chain development, about 2,000 yellow passion fruit uh, farmers. 
last week we signed another project for mango mangoes mango uh, the farmers who want to grow mangoes this this is a smaller number of a thousand so i think in total is about 18400 so our intervention is simple we link them to market off takers we link them to service providers for example insurance microfinance uh, extension support banks for example we we have uh uh two weeks ago no sorry a week ago we hosted nearly 10 banks in our hub and wow. we were trying to get them to work work with and we invited the farmers we invited the smes and they had one-on-one -on -one discussion in terms of how can we access funding from banks because that's a challenge for many many smes many many entrepreneurs so beside the farmers of course we also work with startups and the startups will definitely come differently in different different ideas and we're able to run incubation then the the b is blue economy yeah so the sectors in marine and mariculture fish and fish handling tourism vessel repair uh, marine security and all that uh, and 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 including the the port handling and operations so last year we worked with about we accelerated 200 uh, msmes in uh, blue economy sector this was a, funded by giz this year we are accelerating 100 uh, again uh, this this 100 are perhaps a higher level than last year so we are looking for business that has traction maybe has a, maybe a 1000 euros plus Per month in terms of turnover ha, have at least five employees have customers and so again our intervention is market linkage and access to finance for example in this project we are working with Stanbic foundation and Stanbic foundation is giving them interest free loans wow now you know how difficult is it to access funding uh, for smes and businesses so this is this is this is this is something uh, and and we are and 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 in, we were very intentional in the design because a number of incubation programs you you provide the skills and the skilling you link them to market and then you hit a snag when it comes to funding but in this particular approach we have the funder in house and this this kind this kind of close the loop and we want to monitor these closes that after they've been able to access these interest-free loans, they can graduate because they will have increased also their credit history. So they can graduate to bigger commercial loans, but also the plan is to connect them to angel investors and VCs and be, so that they can also be able to raise bigger tickets. So that's the B part of it. Uh, and then the C is climate innovations. So anything on uh, uh, smarter agriculture, renewable energy environment conservation now you know I, I love environment so i must yeah. have something close to my heart so yeah so uh and this project we worked with slovakia again last year and we accelerated about 20. and lastly is digitization so in all the projects that we do how what's the role of technology for us technology is an enhancer uh to be more or less like to to create more value to to bring efficiency reduce wastages and so we bring in digitization and we are able to uh, use uh, power bi so business intelligence to be able to track data of the sme or the startup that we work with we collect baseline data uh, and the data we collect is in terms of uh, uh, number of employees uh, uh, the turnover the customer the product and a, a number of a number of things which we measure at the end of the program so we want to look at the end of the project how is the startup or sme performing and so again in very very intentional and we're able to track this uh, up to the location of the sme and so that at any one point we can pull pull out this data for decision making and so i think these are these are the kind of uh, new approaches new ways of mm -hmm. doing things and so those four sectors are the most important we are focusing on now mm -hmm. probably up to the next five or so years yeah okay um that's fantastic david and uh it's evident that uh sort of goes beyond uh just uh providing physical infrastructure and uh maybe the way we used to work in schools 
Now you offer a comprehensive uh, ecosystem of support to help entrepreneurs thrive. Now moving on to uh, another topic of great importance. Uh, you are deeply passionate about uh, climate change and you have mentioned it uh, on the ABCD and uh, its impact on agriculture. Maybe could you share your insights on the current uh, challenges uh, faced by agriculture sector in Kenya due to climate change and how SOTAB is working to address them? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, agriculture, agriculture is one of those sectors that need uh, a radical change. I see it in uh, maybe four ways in terms of well let maybe 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 I look at the current status mm -hmm. kenya we we have deficiency of almost uh whether it's chicken eggs milk potat potatoes even beef even coconut cashew nuts uh 20 years ago kenya was the leading for example producer of cashew nuts mm -hmm. today tanzania is is well kenya is doing what 10000 metric ton a year tanzania is perhaps doing 250000 metric ton so we 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 have declined in terms of production on various i always find it uh, almost shocking that we are importing maize why should we import maize mm -hmm. uh, and this these are step of these are step of food there's nothing we are not importing Yet, yet we have what a huge arable land, conducive uh, climatic conditions, and so I will always think maybe something like a Marshall Plan. How do we get agriculture back to where it played? Because as long as there is food insecurity, you can't do much in terms of development. I see the the big the big challenge, for example, in in agriculture is the technology technology has remained uh the what it was perhaps in the 60s that is in terms of because if you look at all, over 80 percent of agriculture in this is in the hand of smallholder farmers so these are people who do not have the capital let's say they want to invest in modern farming system they want to invest in a greenhouse how much is the cost of a greenhouse you probably need what five thousand to or to 10,000 euros, maybe for an eighth of uh, an eighth of a quarter a greenhouse or drip irrigation. And so, maybe to, to, so to, cut you, to cut you, remember you also used to provide greenhouse in schools uh, at some point, you know. Uh, yes, these were yes, these were very very futuristic uh, projects that we had. I think I think yeah, thanks for reminding me. I think most of the most of the uh, pro projects we did in the early on were well aligned well aligned and very 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 compatible in terms of the vision of what we are looking at yeah so we provided maybe around seven uh, secondary schools with greenhouses because we wanted the schools to be like models or centers of excellence where the children can learn best practices in agriculture including on the agronomic and they can be able to take this lesson back at home or the parents could also visit the school. So this for us were like the, the, the bigger picture. And so the technology has remained, uh, the technology in including in water, uh, because one of the challenges that you, you find also, for example, is unpredictable rainfall pattern. But if you go to countries and we keep using the example of Israel, which is a desert and is very, very se food secure, Kenya has a lot of water. So it probably just need kind of to invest in a proper irrigation system uh, outside the, the rain-fed agriculture, and you will be food secure. So I think technology has remained uh, obsolete, maybe because of the uh, the cost of the technology, uh, and I think something definitely need to be done. But also in terms of financing, if you look at the loan book of all the commercial banks in Kenya. Only 4% of funding uh, of all the loans that banks have given in Kenya goes to agriculture. So you tell me this is the most important sector and only 4% uh, of loans, total loan has gone to agriculture. So it means it's severely underfunded. When there is no capital, then there is no means 
to take agriculture to the next level. And so I think, and this 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 perhaps could be something that the government can have a direct input uh, in terms of setting funds or adequate funds. Last year budget, I think it was it's like three hundred million dollars that is going to agriculture. I still think that is severely is not enough. Agriculture and healthcare for me are, are the most very, very critical um, uh, ministries or sectors. And lastly, I will say uh, climate. The climate situation is uh, what? Uh, kind of a chicken and egg situation where we are partly responsible for the challenges of climate. Uh, and 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 people are cutting, for example, harvesting timber for charcoal, uh, or 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 polluting the environment. So cutting trees. Uh, I'm glad that there's ne- there's a very big ambition by the Kenyan government to plant maybe up to 10 billion trees. I hope it is materialized because our forest cover is maybe around 8%. So we need to increase the number of trees. So we have a big big challenge here about climate, erratic rainfall, uh, and when the rainfall, so in most cases, it delays, and when it comes, it's in floods, so when it is flooding, then again, there's loss of life, and uh, we are not prepared also to harvest that water and store in a reservoir that can be used for agriculture. So I think generally, for me, I see those are the impediments of agriculture, and if we are able to have a comprehensive way to address them then it becomes very easy uh, even for an innovation or or a startup or an entrepreneur to thrive so i give you two examples two four three days ago i visited an entrepreneur who we are with in the we are also supporting her in in our projects she has about ten thousand layers that's chicken for eggs, and uh, her name is Rosemary. She's here in Kilifi. She was telling me one chicken or one hen lays six eggs in a week. Uh, so multiply that by ten thousand, multiply that by thirty days, and if you do the maths of maybe what one dollar per per, per uh, sorry, ten cents of a dollar for egg. She has nearly twenty-four thousand dollars income per month <laughs> from rearing chicken, and she's telling wow. me that her phone, her phone rings continuously. The appetite for eggs is insatiable in Mombasa alone, and she's completely unable to meet the orders uh, of supplying eggs. And this, and this, and this. So you might okay, you might look. This is this is like. A, low, a lowly kind of uh, career, but here is somebody who wants to get their hand dirty. So there is an opportunity there. Then I visit another gentleman known as Justin. Justin supplies. Uh, I don't know whether Yakub you have eaten rabbit meat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, long, yeah. Kind of long time ago, but it's it's eaten in Slovakia a lot. Is lean meat. Justin, oh, yeah. is, is, Justin is the only supplier of rabbit meat, maybe the largest supplier of rabbit meat in uh, in Mombasa. His company is known as Millimag, yeah, Millimag, and he says that. I, so we went and we were able to see the the rabbits and different kind of rabbits that he keeps there, and he says that he gets orders as far as Carnivore, Nairobi, uh, right now. Gift, I'm sure you are aware the Safari Rally yeah. in uh, in in uh, in Ivasha. He is in Safari Rally as we speak. Wow. Safari Rally is a, an international uh, car racing, and now it's yes, a big yeah. big event in Kenya. And so he is the contact, and he says there are like only ten farmers in the country at his level of production. Wow, interesting. That's rabbit. And so, and and I could go on and on, go on and on. Uh, there's, uh, there's, for example, there's a young, uh, there's a young man who is doing azola. So azola is a micro plant, which it grows, uh, it's it's very fast to mature. So one week, 
it uh, it's it's mature you can harvest it it grows on it is an aquatic plant but uh, advantage of azolla is that it's highly nutritious so you can uh, process it dry it and grind it and you add it as a nutrient uh, to chicken feed so it's it's very good it's it's highly nutritious chicken feed you can also use it you can also add it to feed for cows goats and anything else that you that you have you can also actually use it on for fish as a fish feed feed so you make it into pellets and he has a tons of orders and again he also tells me his phone can't stop ringing because if you go to the shop uh, ag- uh agrovets to buy some of these uh, these feeds whether it's for cows or chicken it's damn expensive uh Jakub, the inflation in Kenya has gone too high and so you find the the cost of basic commodities has gone 10 10 times and so a lot of farmers are finding also difficult to afford uh, some of the of course the inputs that that they that they that they require and so so look at the the opportunity in the agro sector but if you tell this chicken farmer to go to a bank the bank will ask for so many Lecturers. questions that are not yes uh and so this this is the situation that we are in and we hope that and 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 through the project for example that we run we run with with sote so like last week we had all the banks coming to the center to our hub we invited these smes some of the farmers and they were able to sign some deals last year we had similar event in lamu where we invited about 500 passional fruit farmers uh, and this was with equity bank and the latest i had is uh, that group is about up to about 60 million kenya shillings so that's close to 655000 euros has been disbursed based wow. on this kind of interaction and so i think it's a collective effort a lot need to be done but it can be done and are you are you happy that uh, now uh, the current president is um, a, a pioneer of climate change and agriculture do you see like uh, you know things changing maybe uh, within his regime and uh, you know yeah we can only be optimistic we can only be optimistic uh, and hope that um, the words is change into action i think for me uh, and this is also something i speak also with my entrepreneurs a lot beautiful business plan beautiful speech without implementing it's uh, it's just that you know so i hope and he has shown very very good uh, in terms of policy well measured uh, very visionary in terms of the climate i think he is kind of a strong ambassador for climate uh, and 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 so these are these, it's still too early to judge but uh, we want to give him the support and also the benefit of doubt and 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 the other way also is maybe i didn't mention this is uh, the other challenge that we have in agriculture is perception. Perception. Agriculture is uh, left for those who lost hope. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, it's the last career option for anyone coming out of school. Yeah, yeah. they will be like agriculture is for my parents and grandparents. What? But you can't blame the young people really because they grew up in homes where agriculture was not profitable. It was not run as a business, kind of very subsistence level. Yeah. And so that has to change. And one of the projects that we are doing now is youth inclusion into agriculture. And this is a project we are doing through support from European Union and also through NORAD. We are working with Integra Foundation, a Slovak NGO. We are working with uh, Grow, Grow Fairly, which is uh, a processor of Kashnatan Macadamia. So what is what we are doing is we are giving grafted seedlings to schools, and fo- and they are forming agro clubs. So if you remember, we used to have ICT clubs. We just flip the coin. Instead of ICT, it's now agro clubs. Wow. Yeah. And within the agro clubs, we have we we are using the manual we developed in the ICT clubs to help them organize themselves into leadership. So the way they elect themselves president, chair, and treasurer, and all, they still do that. Uh, but beyond that, we teach them the practical agronomic on how to grow cashew nut in the modern way. 
in terms of digging the hole, in terms of the spacing, in terms of taking care of it, the harvest and the post harvest, uh, and and then we do, then we give, give them like a, a thousand seedlings. So they plant every every student has like their tree, two or three trees they take care of. The success rate of those trees is much higher because the kids have more passion to invest. And and then the surplus seedlings, we ask them to take their parents and also able to pass on the knowledge to their brothers and sisters at home. Uh, but also interestingly is why we are working with Grow Fairly is Grow Fairly is an off-taker, is a processor of cashnut. So already we have a market in mind. So Grow Fairly is subcontracting the schools as suppliers of uh, cashnut. So what it means is that when the, the nuts are ready, uh, the school can also be able to get income from Grow Fairly. This project is ticking a lot of boxes. So there is the economic for the school. There is the perception, the change, the new skills, new way of agriculture we are giving the the, uh, the students. This is the environmental goals because we are don we are donating trees, which is in also increasing the forest cover. But over and above that is that we are also uh, exposing them to other opportunities in the agro value chain. I think the perception has been that in agriculture you can only be a farmer at the production level. Yet there is tons of opportunities at Along the chain, you could be in logistics, you could be using technology, you could be an agronomist, you could be an expert, uh, you could provide data for weatherman. And so we, during the interaction at the agro-clubs, we give them this wider vision of what's possible in the agro-value chain. So we hope that with this, then we'll have a new set of young people that appreciates agriculture as an alternative career choice. We've worked, we've so far worked with 150 schools. We've given with around 150,000, sorry, 15,000 students and given out about 120,000 seedlings. And we hope this can, this can be able to propel in the future. Wow, that's a great number. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's truly, uh, truly remarkable, David. Uh, it's crucial to leverage technology and innovation to address the challenges posed by climate change in agriculture. Uh, Sort Hub's uh, focus on climate smart solution is uh, commendable. And uh, yeah, now let's shift uh, our focus to the concept of the blue economy. Could you uh, maybe explain to our listeners what the blue economy is and uh, its uh, significance, particularly for the counties or countries with coastal uh, regions like Kenya? Yeah. Um, yeah. So blue economy generally is uh, uh, any economic activity or ins uh, that revolves around water uh, as gifts i hope you are aware that 70% uh, of the earth is covered by ocean yes uh, and, and then of course now we have the the rivers and the and the lakes so that gives it the other 2% so we owe a lot of we owe a lot of credit. I mean, uh, water is so so crucial in terms of the life that we have on Earth. And so any economic activity that is in water, so it could be ocean, it could be in the river. So also in Lake Victoria, Lake Turkana. So all those are blue economy. And when you talk about economic activity, you're talking about fish and fish handling. So those people, those fishermen. Uh, in the in the ocean or in the lake, you are talking about uh, what mariculture. So mariculture is uh, ocean fish. I'm sure you will have enjoyed ocean fish. Uh, and you are also talking about tourism. Tourism is is huge. You are talking about aquaculture. You are talking about conservation, especially marine conservation. Now you have what you call blue carbon. So the mangrove ecosystem and the restoration projects that align with that. And so that's in totality, the sectors that align or derive directly from uh, from the ocean. Kenya is a big player now uh, in terms of the blue economy. I would say, like, for example, some of the projects I mentioned before, uh, we have worked with about 330 SMEs in blue economy. 
and that and the focus of course is direct market linkage and if you look at for example the contribution of uh blue economy to the gdp i think it's about 5% of kenya's uh, gdp is from the blue economy so all fish and fish handling etc uh i will say definitely that we are just scratching the surface uh just like agriculture if you look at the major players at the small scale smes and business people the, the person who owns a boat uh, and who takes the boat into the ocean into the river uh it's it's it will shock you that these guys have a return of maybe a thousand shillings per day so so they don't they don't benefit much from their venture and uh, the reason of course is always the technology i think we talked about the technology if you are if you if you will be in a, if you want really to benefit from fishing then you have to go deep sea deep sea means going like 40 kilometers or maybe 30 uh, miles into the ocean you can't go that into that with the canoe the canoe that they use and so you find the commercial fisher people and foreign companies still have an upper hand because they can go deep sea and able to get the best catch the the regular fisher people can only uh, fish near the ocean, near the shoreline and so i think those are those are the kind of issues that we are dealing with uh, and, and and i'll tell you for example one of our startups has developed a sensor an, an iot device that can tell the location of the fish wow so uh, so yeah so it's it's able to scan the environment and you know now what they do is that they go at night and use the power of magic i think also is experiential uh, but they they're able to take a net and just troll it at the bottom but what this sensor does is that it you works you don't need to work hard you work smart so you are able to Uh, you are able to get uh, notifications on the location where to best fish so it's it's now in the trial it was one of the winners of our blue economy summit we had last year and oh, yeah. uh, they'll be joining the accelerator accelerators very soon but these are these are, i think there's huge opportunity i saw another If startup also outside, yeah also i saw another yeah. startup also from sotab uh, and another lady who is making cookies out of uh, fish you know i don't know it's something yes. like that you know so as a new trend yes we yes so the name of the startup is nasa makipoa so samakipoa is making cookies from fish uh but there are different flavors of the of the cookie so if you want ginger in it if you want vanilla in it so you won't you won't get this the the fish smell so it's it's very good it's very nutritious so very and Uh, he uses cassava actually the, the entrepreneur is known as frank thoyer uh, oh. we call him papa man uh, so he, he uses cassava flour so that, again that's very very uh, nutritious and then uh, adds uh, uses fish and of course uh, something to stabilize or uh, to add a bit of flavor and if you look at he, the way why he he started this this in, you know innovation was uh malnutrition and if you if you in schools in rural areas where parents are poor getting a balanced diet sometimes can be a challenge at the household but this cookie is packed with nutrition so it means that it can it can be it can be fed the it's can can be part of a, a feeding a children feeding program and so he is he he got a media interview the, the other day he has been in the papers he was in bbc uh and 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 is one of the startups that came through uh, sothub and also the other day he got also some uh, funding from stanbic the bank that i informed you about and this these are the kind of uh, businesses that answers uh, to the needs of the population yeah so and of course there are many many others and then i want also to mention that beyond fish blue economy tourism for example what's the status of tourism uh, in kenyan context at the moment uh, uh, when i was growing up tourism i think was the number one foreign exchange earner in kenya 
uh, today it has been overtaken by I think probably horticulture and tea. Uh, last year I think we got probably about two billion dollars from tourism. Compare that with about four billion from diaspora. So Kenyan diaspora actually is the number one foreign exchange earner in Kenya at the moment. Mm. Uh, it has beat tourism, it has beat agriculture, it has beat everything that we have in the country. And so tourism has not been explored. Uh, one of those trips that I went when I was having exchange visits with the Pontis Foundation, who are our partners, where Yakub was, I think Yakub, if you remember, you 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 had organized uh, a lecture in Cyprus. I I, I know yeah, that it was yeah. twenty. Yeah, yeah, probably uh, yeah. twenty. Uh, or or yeah. Ilka or some colleagues of mine. It was like a global education or Ivana probably. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, what surprised me about Cyprus is it's about a million people, the population. It's a tiny island country. It's like Mombasa, you know. It's you know Mombasa and an island surrounded by sea. It's a and it's a million population, but they have diversified. So all they have is the beach and tourism as main source of income. Uh, but they have packaged it and they have diversified to uh, the beach uh, attraction so much, such that in a year they they receive 3 million visitors so it means that the amount of people coming to cyprus is three times the population of the country of course they, they all don't come at the same time otherwise there'll be nowhere to for accommodation but that's that's the picture that's the picture kenya we have the beach we have the the wildlife we have the national the one of the best national parks we have the mountain we have the rich culture. But do you know how many we receive? Two million. You know? So so that 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 doesn't compare. That doesn't compare very well. So it means that again, there is lots of opportunity. If you unlock tourism, look at the number of jobs, the hotel industry, uh, the farmers, the benefit, the traders, the logistics people. So a lot of jobs are created uh, along 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 the pipeline. And so again, so if you're talking about reality of the blue economy, the blue economy has huge potential to be a strong national economic driver for Kenya. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, uh, David, for that insightful pers perspective on the role of technology in driving sustainability within the blue economy. It's clear that uh, advancements uh, in technology hold tremendous uh, potential for addressing environmental challenges and promoting Response, uh, responsible practices. Uh, we have covered uh, some compelling topics today from uh, the journey of Sote Hub, climate change, agriculture, and the blue economy. I want to express my gratitude to you, David, uh, for sharing your knowledge and uh, experience with our listener. Maybe as we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to add uh, before we conclude this podcast? No, thank you for and great to reconnect. Uh, um, I'm very, very proud of you. Uh, so for our listeners, GIFT was one of the shining stars of our project. And now uh, I'm, I'm really privileged and humbled that I could share also this journey, a journey that he's very familiar with uh, most of it. Of course, not all, because a lot has happened. Uh, but I think it just shows that the strength of the projects that, 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 we, that, that we did uh, I think for me, because I work a lot with uh, innovators, young people, uh, for me, my, my, what I always keep telling them is nothing beats focus. You need to focus. You need to focus. Uh, sometimes you get many, many ideas and you, you jump from one to the other. I think the only difference, the only thing standing between you and a success is time. So focus and time. And that, I think, is unbeatable. It's a pleasure uh, and a privilege to see you, Shimek. Yeah, I'm very happy that we recorded this podcast. We, I was looking forward to it. Yeah, so I'm actually at the, at the coast here in, uh, in Bilbao, in Spain. So I'm, I'm ah. 
to yeah enjoy <laughs> you're also promoting right. hope to see you <laughs> you're, you're also uh, experiencing the blue economy uh, activities blue economy, <laughs> yeah 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 that, i'm definitely more connected to blue economy than in slovakia because in slovakia doesn't have a sea so, so this is uh, yeah yeah but anyhow it's it's amazing how you you scaled uh, sotehub and uh, like from 10 schools when i was there and after the, the last time i was in kenya in 2017 now it's like over 150 schools or 100 uh, as, uh, with the, the agri clubs so it's amazing uh, great job and i'm happy that uh, um yeah uh, that you are you are now working from uh, um, uh, the coast so but i hope we will reconnect there soon someday soon yeah. sure sure right. uh, well well said david uh okay uh, that brings us to the end of uh, this podcast if you enjoyed listening to tambodes podcast don't forget to subscribe give this episode a thumbs up and be sure to come back next week for another episode until then, this is Duke Mtambo, and don't forget to do good always.